fascinating one for me because um, the words visual effects artist are in your about section of your website, which looking at your work, I felt like there had to be some form of approach outside of the photographic norm. So we're going to get to that. Uh, but the first thing that we always have to do is to nail down why it is that you chose photography. So why do you now find yourself in the position of being a photographer? You know, that's a really good question. And um, it's a bit of a long story to kind of trace back, you know, but in terms of like learning about photography, but not necessarily um, being a photographer, you know, I learned photography ground up in art school when I was studying film. You know, I took a class in 30, 35 millimeter film, um, mm-hmm. you know, and the assignment was to shoot storyboards, you know, with a film camera. And it just learned all the basics of film. And then we shot slide films so that we can like show it in class. And basically that, that, that was it. That was like probably my main actual um, knowledge, grassroots knowledge of photography and basically film photography, which, you know, I kind of picked back up recently uh, about a year ago. So between, so after like, after school, I started working, got into visual effects. Um, there's a whole, you know, I studied a lot of, I dabbled in a lot of different things in school. Um, but then I, but as far as like, um, making, making a career and working, I got into visual effects and while in visual effects, I pursued photography as kind of like a hobby. And my first, uh, camera was a Canon 60D. It was a pretty good camera back then. And, you know, I, my basic goal was just to, um, just to have fun with it and just to, um, I guess, um, you know, supplement my creativity in what I was already doing in my professional field. Um, then I took a break from photography because, you know, I kind of, um, I took a short break and I got back in because I was inspired to travel and I wanted to like, you know, shoot a lot of cool different scenes from, you know, different places in the world. So I did a little bit of traveling and then, um, and I would say like, it wasn't, it wasn't until like 2018 when I decided to upgrade my camera and really see myself as a photographer. So by that, so two years ago is when I, it's when, um, so I'm pretty much out of visual effects and I was just doing something else for a living, but I kind of wanted to still pursue something creativity. So, um, that's, you know, that's so, so what, so in a way photography is like a continuation of what, you know, I had aspired to do when I was in film school. And if you don't mind me asking is, is I don't want to start off too much. Uh, going too deep uh, it's always good to kind of work your way in on these things but w- what is it that photography gives you like w- what is it doing for you that makes you keep picking up the camera and going out i guess you hear this a lot it's about documenting you know your life and um, your experiences in life and where you are at this specific time and i guess most of all mainly for me it's just personal self-expression so there's there's an artistic element to it and also in a way to connect with other people, whether they're, whether they're photographers or artists in different, you know, different forms or just regular people. You know, if you're, you know, if you meet people in different circles, you know, you can always introduce yourself as a photographer and, you know, and like, you know, talk about different subjects and, you know, where you've been, what you've shot and stuff like that. Something I noticed with your work that sort of really grabbed me at first. It was the initial thing that pulled me in was, I think you have this, um, I don't know if it's intentional and obviously I'm probably about to find out, but you have this ability to take a lot of what look like 
really fascinating establishing shots from movies. Yeah. So I feel like there's something really cinematic about the, the photos that you're taking. And it looks like we're about to be fed into a really dramatic scene or a really iconic scene so often. You know, are you photographically, are you quite influenced by cinema? Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, like I said, you know, I guess like, um, you know, this is just coming from my past, um, from wanting to um, be a filmmaker myself um, and actually working in the film and experiencing the process of making movies. But my focus was obviously in the post-production visual effects side of things. Um, so I got, a, I got a chance to work on all, all, you know, a lot of different genres of movies. So I guess like, like stuff that the stuff, the type of movies I like are really dark, you know, kind of moody. And so right. I guess, I guess if you see my work, it kind of represents um, some of the moodier aspects of storytelling, you know, the use of color and stuff like that. And so that's all been influenced by, by the different types of like films that I've studied. And, and of course, like, you know, um, just, you know, working on like, you know, certain movies that have like, you know, strong effects that'll, you know, completely put you in a different state of mind. And a lot of that stuff is, it's generated, you know, built through post-processing because if you just look at the raw footage, it's just, you know, it's just boring until like someone actually like decides to edit it and then put like, you know, if it's a CG movie, they'll put like different um, elements into it to make it even more fascinating, you know? Well, something with working as a visual effects artist, and I have no, no idea exactly how this works at all. And I find it fascinating. I'm slightly obsessed with movies myself. Obviously the collaborative nature of it, someone if you're adding something to recorded footage, you're kind of, you're having to create something based off of what someone else has seen that isn't even there. So right. the communication's really important and understanding the, the sort of what the end product's supposed to be. When you carry that through to photography, does having, I mean, it's a really bizarre thing to me, but does having that ability to see compositions within compositions help you yeah. when it comes to doing your own photography? You know, there was a there's a there's a famous quote that I learned in uh, film school, and it's by and this is when I was learning about editing and post production. The film is not made until you're in the editing room. You know, that's like the approximate you know line of the quote, and mm -hmm. it's that final it's that final film that that you're trying to reach. You know, that you can be that you can be happy. Right. I guess when you go through several several different projects of seeing like shitty footage you know, stuff that just went wrong in, in production. And it's like, you're part of a team that's going to make it into something. It's like, you're making nothing into something. And that it's really that final piece that really matters. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to look at my work, the cinematic way of like, of like shooting. I want to get to each photo to a point that, that, that's as complete as possible. And like the original shot just didn't really re resemble anything like, you know, what, what I'm presenting, you know? Right. <laughs> Well, I've heard people say in the past that editing is part of the writing stage. That like you haven't actually finished writing something until it's edited because you do so much to affect narrative and obviously things like Kuleshov, you, you end up affecting the feel and the mood of something with how you approach transition and so on. But when it comes to yeah. still images and when it comes to having like one image to get the narrative across or to get, you know, the idea of what you're doing across, do you find that more yeah. restrictive or do you find that more, more freeing for you in terms of creativity? At the moment, it's more freeing. Um, uh, just because, um, I could be, I feel like I could be a little bit more in tune with, um, less about a direct storyline 
but just more about a feeling, you know? So right. it could be abstract. It could be whatever I want. So whereas like in a movie, you know, you have to edit and compose in a way that tells a, tells a good complete story with dialogue and, you know, all sorts of like, you know, aspects of like juxtapositions of certain shots in order of sequence. So that stuff is fun, but it's, um, it's fun. But I think like with, with still photography, it's, I leave the photo to be open to interpretation for whatever it is, you know? So there's no, there's no like screenplay, you know? And like, um, the photo itself can, you know, can have like different meanings for, for different people, you know, without like having like, like a dialogue structure, like a beginning, middle and end. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no like a flow of like a flow, a flowing story arc that I'm trying to, you know, fit into this one piece, but there is like a, like a mood and a, you know, like an emotional component to it, which is, which to me is cinematic. Well, something I see quite a lot with photographers, especially ones that are maybe in their formative years and they're doing street photography is the lack of that connection. Mm-hmm. They're, they're sort of, they're sort of technically tick, ticking boxes, but there's a lack yeah. of connection in terms of like any kind of narrative or feeling or mood in the images that they're taking. Is that something that you found come? you know, fairly easily or, or for you, was it something you had to learn in the same way that you had to learn, you know, compositional techniques? Well, that's an interesting question. I think like every photographer needs to know themselves. And I say this because I'm trying to know myself better, um, to better so that I can shoot better and also, um, to process my images better. And so there's a whole reason why, like there's a, there's, there's a deep connection to why I like you know, moodier subjects and moodier images, you know, this is just, uh, you know, part of my own past, my own upbringing and just, uh, you know, just my, my own personal experiences growing up. And there wasn't always like bright and sunshine moments in my life. There were periods of darkness, you know? And so mm-hmm. kind of, these kind of experiences just sort of kind of like resonate through my images, you know? And I can always look back to these periods of my life and kind of understand what that felt like. And then I can kind of like, you know, translate that in my photography. If that makes sense. No, a hundred percent. And another part of it, I think is like, and I'm curious to see it from your end. For me, if I go into a shoot, any particular shoot, whether it be, so I work in weddings and I do a lot of portraiture. If I go into either of those without a clear intent in my mind of what it is that I want to end up with, like a, a good idea of feeling and and mood and and whatever that I want to come up with over the course of that shoot, I tend to come out with something that to me is unbelievably lackluster at the end. So going in with that intent, whatever that is, whether that's just, you know, the focus of the mind or just having at least a rough idea of what you want to take from something makes a huge difference difference to the end product. Is is that the same with you? And, And more so, do you find that when you go out, say you're in a bad mood and you go out with your camera, do you find that the photos that you're taking reflect that? Or do they kind of, do they kind of flip the script on that? Well, I guess, I guess I'm trying let me try to understand like what you're saying, what your question is. Um, the intent is that I'm in a, I'm in a bad mood. Therefore my, my, my end product is going to reflect my mood. Is that kind of like what you're saying? Well, I suppose when I go into a, so for example, if I go into a portrait shoot and I want to, you know, I'm looking for a specific like emotion from the subject i'm looking for say just really raw confidence maybe a little bit of arrogance and i go in yeah and i don't do a good job of communicating that with the other person okay i'm not i'm not going to come away with that but in your case you're photographing much more passive scenes they're not 
uh, to, right. to what I can tell. They're not scenes that you're engaging with overly as much as you are documenting. So does your yeah. mood and your intent affect the images that you're taking away from that? Sometimes. Um, I would say I'm not always necessarily in the mood. So I guess what I'm trying to say, the way I can best explain it is that I'm not necessarily in the same mood when I'm shooting as the final product of the image. Rather, I'm just going out there and I'm just trying to find a scene and looking for things that I like that I'm drawn towards and take the image so that I can go back and sort of, um, you know, work on the image and to find a place in an image that reflects um, a mood that I'm kind of familiar with. So it's not like I'm really, I don't really need to be in a mindset or have the intention to be in a, be in a moody place in order to, you know, make a moody, a moody photo. Mm-hmm. I hope that, I hope that answers your question. I see what you're saying. It's, it's, um, I mean, it's looking at the places that you photographed, obviously before we started this, we talked about London and how I desperately tried to warn you off of coming back to England because it's such a tragically depressing place. But, um, you photographed in some of my favorite places. I mean, Vegas being somewhere that I could absolutely live, um, and just (laughs) basically spend every day going out to the desert and, and living life that way. But did you also feel like the, in your case, I guess for me, a portrait shoot would be me and another person, but you aren't necessarily always engaging with another person. So it is the place that you're in. Does that become sort of your de facto partner in crime in what you're doing? And do you photograph, say, Vegas differently to how you would photograph London to say how you would photograph LA or wherever? I would say I try to photograph with a certain composition in mind and with a certain lighting in mind. I guess those are the two main things. Mm-hmm. And those things will sort of like bring out um, the mood that I want as far as like when it comes to like, you know, color grading and stuff like that. So there are certain colors that I like that I look for um, at night, like red light or any red in, in, the, in darkness really stands out. So I really like that. And then if you combine the color of red with different colors like blue, that has a different effect if you combine it with like, say, green. Mm-hmm. But they can both produce, but both combinations can produce. Um, a powerful image and, and also my own personal outlook, you know, the way I, the way I think, like, for example, Vegas, the way I, the way I would imagine it to be. Really quickly, if you just take me through kind of the, the process that you go about gathering these images, are you someone that scouts out a location for a long period of time and sort of tries out different, different approaches to the same scene? Are you, do you take a chance on places and just go out with your camera and see what happens? How much of a meticulous planner are you? That's a pretty good question. And I, and I was thinking about this pretty recently. As you know, like my background is in, is in filmmaking. And a part of like filmmaking is that you have, there, there is a location scout who goes to the different places and they take images or footage and, you know, and to uh, present it to uh, cinematographers and directors and producers and, you know, to give them a sort of like a, an idea, a plan for, you know, for their film. So, I guess in a way I, I look, I see myself kind of like that. You know, I try to, um, I try to imagine like locations that would be appealing for, you know, for filmmakers or people who are, who want to tell, you know, compelling stories, you know, through, you know, through film or just photography. And so like, it's almost like I want to compile like a, like a scrapbook of images that in my perspective, that, uh, that showcase, uh, what would make sense to, you know, create a, uh, you know, like a, like a moving picture or just a still image, you know, I want to do this in real life, but, but, you know, just hypothetically speaking, like, 
I could show this to like a producer and be like, hey, this is, this is, there's a great location in this city and you can find it's a great setting for whatever film that you want to shoot. So I don't know. It's kind of like the way I guess that's kind of like the way I handle like, you know, I handle my situation when I'm in these different places. But yeah, it's just uh, yeah, sometimes it could just be it could just be random. You know, it's just uh, I just go off my camera and just shoot and then um, yeah, just kind of evaluate, you know, and then go back and see if I can find something that'll be better or something I'm more pleased with, I guess. Well, something that's interesting with street photographers, and I'm not necessarily, you know, branding you as that, but th- let's sort of go with the the fairly wide definition. Something that's interesting yeah. with street photography is that people vary massively on uh, quite a weird system of rules that they sort of impose upon usually other people in comment sections as opposed to yeah. their own work. Are you someone that are you quite patient in a scene? Because obviously there's quite often a human element with what you're doing. Are you someone that's quite patient with a scene and that you'll wait for the right moment and it could be a really, really long time, but you'll hunt that sort of, you know, you'll you'll be lying in wait. Or are you someone that you work with what's in front of you and you kind of set yourself a time limit so that you're not sort of standing still? I guess I'm more of the type of person who just kind of, I don't know, I guess the best way is just kind of go with the flow. Like if it, if it's not, if the shot's not happening, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste my time. You know, I, I, I get what I get. If there wasn't like a subject that that was that was in the frame that I, that I that I hopefully imagined, you know, before shooting it, if that didn't happen, then I'm still gonna take that image and you know see what I can make out of it and post. And that's kind of like what you know what I mean by like you know you just take you know nothing or whatever you have and you make something out of it. You know, and it's just like I look back at some of my images like. You know, I can't believe like I got some of the, I got so much, you know, response from because in the actual shot, I felt like, you know, there was just really nothing, anything there special, but, but like, um, but I, I just tried to, uh, you know, create a gate, like an alternate feeling of this, of this location that I was shooting in and, and then hopefully it would grab some attention. So a lot of it, a lot of it is just sort of like, it's a hit and miss and, um, and a lot of it just kind of surprises me a lot of uncertainty, I guess. And, um, you know, because of that, I don't always just try to limit myself, you know, like in your, like the way you're explaining about how, you know, street photographers have like certain rules that they need to follow. Mm-hmm. I just kind of, I just like to like throw all those rules behind it. And, sh- and like, I think it's better for me to just to catch myself feeling surprised about a shot that, that I get blown away with and other people get blown away with when it was just like a nothing special shot. <laughs> well, in terms of like your approach to, I guess in, one thing that I'm interested in looking at your, I'm looking at your portfolio right now and something that I'm fascinated by is that your kind of broad times of the day and night that you're photographing. And yeah. um, I mean, I, I would, I would probably, if I was to take a pun, I would guess that you're much more comfortable or, much more excited photographing at night because of the the drama within the light and the mix of different kind of ambient lighting that's available. But when are you most comfortable actually going out and shooting? You know, I like, uh, I like night, but I wouldn't really say that's like my, my preferred, I, I like shooting at daytime. Um, I just think like, um, you know, I like, you know, my problem is right now is like, I like, I like everything, you know, I like shooting everything at all different times. And I just say, I guess like the work that I'm presenting and then, um, you know, to a style that I'm thinking I'm aiming for, you know, represents like more like night photography, but that doesn't necessarily mean that like, um, that's what I'm most comfortable with. 
night photography is actually a lot harder because you know you're, you you have limited vision in, in seeing and placing things in your composition and lighting can be very erratic whereas like in daytime you know you see everything in such clarity that it's easy to you know pinpoint things and shoot things that you like you know but does that mean like you know the outcome of my photos at nighttime are better um yeah i'm not i'm not totally sure because I have shown, because I have um, presented work in the daytime that are really good and they've gotten really good feedback from, you know, um, it's just, uh, it's just, I guess, like, you know, in terms of like quantity wise, there are more photos that I put on my website that are at night than at daytime. But that doesn't necessarily mean that like, that I'm better or more comfortable at night. What about in terms of scenes? Like with the example of one of my favorite images is, I feel like it says Boulder Bowl, but it's like the outside of a theater, outside of a theater, I guess. Um, really cool neon signs. Actually, re- really reminiscent of an image I took in New York, um, which is a complete insult to you because the image that I took in New York is nowhere near as good. <laughs> but it reminds yeah. me a lot because you've got kind of converging cars that bring you to the center of the scene and you've got the sign and so on. Yeah. You've also got images of just standalone characters behind glass. You've got wide shots of people walking through very mixed lighting. I mean, there's there's a whole range of compositions. Is there any any in particular that you're more comfortable with? Are you are you much happier to kind of find a building that's got these big neon lights and kind of sit and wait for all of the elements to come together? Or is it more a case of you find this one person, you find this, maybe you find this one spot where the light's really nice and it's behind glass and whatever, and you've got to wait for one person to make their way through. What's, what's the sort of scene that you're most comfortable photographing? Yeah, just good lighting overall. So, you know, I think, I, you know, when I lived in, actually I'm living there now in Vegas, uh, I just travel a lot, but I mean, I'm, in, I'm currently located right now in, in Denver, but I go back, you know, to Vegas later, but the Vegas kind of what uh, got me started and shooting specifically looking for neon, you know, because that's such a, you know, there's, you know, these neon signs in Vegas are very prominent and they really stand out and they make very good photography, you know, not just the actual um, neon sign itself, but the ambient light that is created in the scene. And so I developed a pattern of shooting these um, neon signs and, and looking around and see how that light affects the scene. And, and I really enjoyed that, you know? And so I guess like, you know, through that development, you know, when I visit to other cities like LA or even like London, you know, I try to find um, certain kinds of lighting, you know, particularly at night, of course, um, that'll, that helps uh, me uh, to get a, to gauge um, a scene in the mood that represents that kind of like that sort of cinematic feel that they have that these neon lights kind of, kind of cast in the scene. So whether it's a car or a person, it really doesn't matter because I think that good lighting is going to make whatever subject just look really good and you just want to shoot it. You know, I'm not really looking for a specific type of person if I want a person to shot because, you know, whatever, whatever person happens to be there, it's going to look really good. And whatever car there, it doesn't have to be like a, you know, a sports car. It could be a vintage car, but it's that lighting that's just going to um, elevate the subject. Well, I'm interested that you used the word vintage there because something that I've found having spoken to a lot of film photographers over the last sort of year, I guess, um, is that there is definitely currently a big movement of film resurgence that's entirely based around nostalgia, I guess, nostalgia, retro look and so on. And I've had discussions with different people. I think part of it is down to 
the complete lack of imagination in modern design. Everything is sort <laughs> yeah. of function over form. So nobody's particularly inspired by what we're seeing anymore. Yeah. But, you know, how do, how do you feel about, I guess, I guess leaning on probably sounds a bit negative, but how do, how do you feel about leaning on nostalgia when it comes to photographing like old buildings, old signs, older scenes? Are you someone that's kind of trying to find a way to remove all of the modern assets from that space? So there might be a modern car and you've got to find a different way to approach it so that that's not a factor in your image. I don't think I don't think I have a preference or you know to shoot vintage because of nostalgia feeling. You know, nostalgia feeling I guess is an aspect that that I like. And shooting vintage cars is something that that if I see that's there and there's an opportunity, I'm going to shoot it. But it, but there's nothing built in me that that says you know I have this disdain for modern designing because like at night and when the lighting is good, I really don't think it. I really it really doesn't matter. I think it, I think it looks good. Like for example, like um, you go to like a city like New York, there are a lot of old buildings and there are a lot of like modern buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, they all look really good at night. You know the whole New York. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I went through a phase of wanting to shoot skylines. You know, whether it's Chicago, San Francisco, L.A., you know, New York, and I, and I always thought, and I always thought of wanting to shoot the skyline of New York. And you know, yeah, there's just I think it all looks good. You know. And I guess I, I guess what's different about me, uh, I'm not like really you're like your typical American either, you know, you know I'm Korean American, so it's not like these uh, American vintage cars are things that I have a heartstring attached, you know. Right. But I had an experience in high school where a friend of mine had a, a vintage Mustang, you know, and looked really nice and it was really cool. He drove his friends out, you know, wherever he went. He invited friends to, you know, to ride with him. And so I'm really, I'm, so I'm well aware of like, you know, these, uh, these type of like American artifacts. So if I see it, you know, I can appreciate it and I'll shoot it, but it's like, but I think I'm a little more varied though. It, it really depends on, you know, the scene and the quality of the light, because that one photo that you were, that we were talking about just has like a regular, I don't know, just a regular car, you know? Right. And what was cool about it was. What was cool about it was like you can see like a reflection of the of the boulder sign, the boulder through the sign through the uh, through the side windshield, you know. Yeah. And like there's like another car, and these aren't like vintage cars. It's just you have this great lighting. The building is probably a little bit more um, vintage, you know. But that combination of that light, that neon light, the theater, and these two cars, and the guy in the in the driver's seat, and the reflection of the sign through the uh, side windshield, you know, made it look really cool, you know? Yeah. So the fact that it was, yeah, like, like a vintage car being there would have made a difference for me. Well, I find the nostalgia and I, I love America dearly. I actually have an American flag hanging um, that I bought while I was in California. I, fi- I, well, I used to visit about four times a year. God knows when I'll be able to come back, but um, I, I'm a big fan of America, but as a, as a card carrying European, uh, we do find it really funny that, you know, there's the old joke about like history in America is like 50 years. And, you know, in my job, I photographed at churches that were 700 years old. So it's always quite fun when America has this obsession with history and nostalgia. And in, in England, like history and nostalgia is, you know, the idea is we all live in castles and everything yeah. here is you know, 500 years old. So it's always been quite fun. Um, but I don't think yeah. that film photographers would probably find photographing 700 year old churches on film quite as exciting <laughs> on the subject of film you're mixing film with digital um why 
one of the things that I'm kind of always struggling with in terms of my photography is, is that I like to shoot everything and I like everything. So I like digital and I like film, you know, and I, and I think I like it equally. I don't think it's either, either film or digital. I like both. I like the way they, I, I like the way both look, you know, in my work, like whether it's my portfolio or Instagram. Yeah. I want, I want to show my, uh, my understanding of both mediums and, um, you know, they have, they both have strong characteristics. My drawback for digital is that it could look a little too, it could look a little too real, a little too polished sometimes, you know, uh-huh. but the benefit of digital is that there's so much more latitude of what you can do in post and editing, you know, and like transform the image, you know? Yeah. And that's really fun sometimes, you know, uh, the thing about film, well, the weakness of film is, is in my opinion, is the lack of latitude. Uh, sometimes the shadows don't look white. Uh, they don't look right. Uh, sometimes the highlights don't look right. Stuff like that. You can't really control that much, you know? So, but, the, but, but there is that nostalgia effect, you know, when the lighting is right and film just has that feel, you know, that you can't really explain. And I guess another way to explain it is, um, you know, when I was in film school, people always wanted to, you know, get their, their video footage to look like film. Yeah. You know, all the way to the point where you convert whatever frame rate, 60, 60, I interlaced to like 24 frames per second, you know, because like 24 frames per second, you know, it gives that, that extra, you know, filmic nostalgic feel, you know? And so like, um, you, you know, you're not really, you can't really explain the difference, but, but you know, when you see it, you know? Yeah. So that's what, that's the advantage of film, in my opinion. Do you find that the limitations, the, the drawbacks of a film make you photograph differently than you would with digital? Probably not. I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> well, they're just, they're very different mediums, right? I mean, I, I've sort of started to take film relatively seriously over the course of lockdown um, that we've had over here in England because I needed something to do other than going to the top of a very tall building and seeing if I bounce. So yeah. um, I picked up, I picked up film and taught myself to develop film. And obviously the podcast has been another part of that. But with with film, I feel like, okay, so I, I don't know if I'm wrong here, but I don't know how much you actually spend, how much time you spend within. One thing I do find with film is that there's a lot of people involved in the film community that make it a lot less fun than it could be by kind of imposing lots of rules and lots of ideas of what is, you know, quote unquote right, right and wrong with everything that you do. So it almost yeah. feels kind of funny for people to want to go to film from digital to get away from that clinical feeling that you get from shooting digital. But you have to follow all of these kind of weird rules that have been put in place by people that without wanting to be mean, I didn't ask. So I don't really care yeah. whether they, they think something should be done one way or another. Do you think that there's a danger with photography, especially with film that you can be sort of too absorbed in what the, the general census on so the general consensus on something is as opposed to just doing and expressing what you want with the medium. Interesting. I guess like I'm aware of that, of like those rules that you're talking about, just like how there's rules for, you know, this weird rule for street photography, what is street photography and what is not. And I mm. guess like I'm aware of the same situation, whether what's considered proper, you know, film photography and what is not, but I'm kind of like the rule breaker, you know, I prefer to break the rules and, you know, test out the things that people preach about in, in both street photography and film photography and whether I like those rules, you know, 
and whether I can bend them to the point to where I like it. You know, people say that like, well, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know. Exactly, I don't know what there, if there is a, a, a concrete rule in film photography. What is one concrete rule in film photography? Uh, well, I feel like, I mean, I don't know if I could probably limit it down to being like specifics, general specifics as it were, but yeah. like yeah. quite often I see the way that people talk about exposure when it comes to film. Oh, okay. the, the com- that you can post an you can post an image and say, okay, I shot this on Tri-X. Yeah. You know, I was going for this particular look. And you'll have people tell you what you did wrong, how you can do it differently, and so on. And it's always like people don't ever seem to want to understand intent and yeah. what what the idea behind the image was before they start correcting it. And I'm just noticing that more and more with film than I am yeah. with digital. Interesting. I would ignore that kind of criticism. If it were to happen to me, if someone criticized me for not following a standard, you know, I would just be like, who cares? You know, um, if it looks right. good, it looks good. And if I think it looks good and if I have a good judgment of my work and others, then I think other people would like it too. And that makes it worthwhile for me to, you know, put it up on Instagram or on my portfolio. If I like what I produce, even if something's underexposed and I manage to, you know, fix it in post. And that's the thing about, you know, my background in post-production, you know, visual effects or just editing is that there's that common terminology of fixing it in post, you know, because, you know, I like the idea of making something that's just utterly crap. And if people end up liking it, well, that's, that's awesome, man. Right. <laughs> Not every one of my photos, you know, I end up shooting look like crap and I made it better, but just like there are those instances, you know, and um and I'm and I and I think I can rely upon you know certain skills that I've acquired to um, to make an ordinary or even a bad image and make it to like a pretty solid image, you know. Like we said earlier, coming from a collaborative effort where you're a visual effects artist or an editor, and there's obviously multiple other people that are putting their stamp on the end product that you're putting forwards. Coming from that and ending up at the point where you are kind of your own judge and jury with everything that you're doing. Yes. How do you how do you go about editing yourself and deciding, you know, what has worked and what hasn't? Because we can get emotionally attached to images and think that something's, you know, the best work we've ever produced. And maybe we just enjoyed the environment we were in when we took the image and the image actually doesn't really do a lot to sell what what we think it's selling because other people don't have the same connection to the time around the photograph being taken. So do you, do you have people that you contact and you send them images and you let them give you feedback? You know, how do you go about editing yourself? Yeah, that's another good question. I might have a couple of friends that I, that I know who are either photographers or artists that I might have them take a look or just random people, other friends who have nothing to do with like photography and see what they, see what they think, you know, if they like it. So whatever feedback is good, but I don't, I don't think I really depend on their, their, you know, their comments or their feedback. I guess like, um, I guess I have a very modest approach in the way I look at my own work before I post it. You know, I prefer to think of my work as, like I said, just taking something that just looks totally ordinary and average and try to make it something different, try to make it look special in my eye, but still with the attitude of like, you know, this is, this is just, anybody can do this, you know? But then I, when I look, so if I upload it on Instagram and if there's like a lot of like comments and feedback, then, then I'll know, 
But then again, it's like I think about, well, is Instagram a good matrix? You know, is, is that something to good? Is that good to follow? You know, the, the the feedback that you get from like Instagram. But I guess it's like a pretty good estimate. You know, if there are a lot of people who, you know, who respond positively. Then I think like you might be onto something. And then then I'm more likely to, you know, try to repeat that. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean that like the next photo I put up is going to be good. You know, like I said, it's always like. Like I said, I, I, my fallback is always like, yeah, it's, it's just taking this this ordinary, you know, bland thing that I shot, you know, somewhere and, you know, just try to make something out of it. And I just think like, like I said, that just comes back from, you know, the mentality of, you know, of working in, you know, in editing and visual effects, you know, because, yeah, because the, the, the beginning stage of, of everything that that's been given to you, it's just, it's just boring. You used a phrase there that's previously pissed off some people when I've used it. And I absolutely agree with it. And I stand by it 100%. But there are people that get quite frustrated. I think especially sort of intermediate photographers, photographers that are just starting to find their feet with it. Yeah. You said the exact phrase was, uh, anybody can do this. And I've right. I've always said, like, photography is it's like four things. It's It's like you have to know how to push a button, which, you know, in most cases, that shouldn't be too much of a challenge. And then basically just get your head around exposure. And then from there, everything else obviously can be piled on top. But the very basic level of just being a photographer is a very, very simple thing. And I think that there are some people that get a little bit carried away with maybe social media feedback, or maybe they just are staggered by their own results, which is completely fine, but they get a little bit carried away and they kind of confuse taking relatively interesting pictures as being as important as heart surgery or, you know, curing cancer or something. When in actual fact, it's, you know, it's pushing a button on a spaceship at this point. (laughs) If you're using a digital camera, you're just pressing the go button on a spaceship. Yeah, you're on point, man. Totally. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like that raw footage that you capture is anything special at all. I just don't. Why should it be? Why should someone care about anything that I've shot? You know, you know, if someone ends up liking it, then that's like, then, um, you know, then obviously, like, I made a connection with that specific person, you know, and then the, if, it, if that connection happens more than once, let's say a thousand times on an image, then, you know, I think I'm onto something. But yeah, it's just like that That ability is so easy to be replicated by pretty much any photographer. Easier than ever as well at this point, because yeah. you've got like the free university of YouTube that will teach you how to, how to do everything with training wheels on. And instantly people within, yeah. you know, 15 minutes of the first YouTube video about photography, they're already trying to put together what their rates are going to be to tell someone else to pay them to be a photographer. And that's kind of, that's just the nature of the beast at this point. Yeah. I always ask a couple of questions that are they're pretty selfish they're just for me and yeah. i hope other people will enjoy them but they are basically just for me in a self-evaluation sense i'm always fascinated by the way people judge themselves yeah what do you think your biggest sort of weakness is as a photographer well i think i kind of mentioned it before i think my weakness is that i like everything if you were to mm-hmm. ask me like what kind of photographer i am you know i'm my uh, i guess the best way to and I actually like try to figure this out before i did this interview I'm a digital film travel street photographer. Is that that's a weakness because I think I think in our day today people want to know if you specialize in anything. Mm-hmm. Like, are you special? Is your specialty travel or street? Is a film or digital? You know, is, is cinematic vibes the only thing that you're trying to do? Yeah, I don't know, but I don't think it really matters for me. 
I think it matters for a lot of people. Uh, and I think like, I think I'm this type of photographer because, you know, I like to just experiment with a lot of different things, you know? Um, it's just, you know, I, I learned, you know, it's just knowing myself, what I like, um, what I think I like and testing those testing ideas that I think I like. And if it results in a, um, an image that portrays cinematic travel or street photography, then whatever it is, it's, it's, it's good. And, and then the connection is going to be made with these specific, you know, circles of, you know, of photographers, whether, you know, however they fall in place, you know? So I think that's a weakness. Maybe, maybe I'm too broad, you know? And that's definitely something that I think can be true, especially when it comes to things like camera clubs and people that are kind of starting in photography, especially it's, it's important to have at least a general idea of a channel that you want to go down. But at least in your case, you're talking about quite overlapping genres like travel and street photography can overlap pretty strongly without there being any particular, without there being any particular issue or a massive skill set, skill set shift. Right. That, at least in that case, it's it's the way. I'm going to be the eternal pessimist because that's I'm English. That's who we are. That's just what we are as people. And I, I'm curious to know this because of your enthusiasm and your love for photography and your interest in so many different subject types. What is it that frustrates you the most about photography? Oh, that's a good question. In this day and age, photography is easy. It's so easily accessible. Like anybody can be a photographer. Everybody has a has a has an iPhone or Android phone, whatever phone. And then cameras are just getting cheaper. You know, every time like a new camera comes out, the previous versions are amazing cameras and they're, and they're, and they're cheap and they'll be around. Yeah. It's just like, everybody's a photographer. Everybody can be a photographer, you know, but let's say if I want to make it, make it into a living, well, you got to compete with all those people. I got to compete with um, pretty much all age, all age groups, you know, varied experiences. Mm -hmm you know, all, you know, wherever they are, like completely newbies, high school, you know, anybody can like take a phone and, and snap a great sunset shot. So I think that's, that's my biggest frustration. Okay. So let me do one quick follow up and then we'll, we'll round up. I do appreciate you taking yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, so my, my final question to add on to what you've just said then is we obviously have a, a shared interest in photography. I'm incredibly passionate about photography. You're incredibly yeah. passionate about photography. And this is a question that unfortunately is incredibly layered. So I'm not sure if it's the best one to ask last, but do you feel like the uh, democratization of photography, like you just said, everyone's got a phone on them that has a camera. And in most cases now everyone has a camera as well. It feels like every other person is a photographer. Do you yeah. feel like having such accessibility to photography has given us more or less great photographers than in the past? Wow. That's a good question. Can I say both? <laughs> <laughs> of course. I can see arguments for both. I'm leaning more to, okay. I'm leaning more towards it's leading towards more crappy photographers. Mm -hmm. uh, just too much saturation. I think it's, it's, um, it's, a, having, it's having a negative effect in the quality of work. That's what I'm leaning towards as far as like the quantity of photographers you know, who will never actually, you know, commit to caring to find out what makes a good image. You know, that saturation is proving, in my opinion, to be a limiting factor. But with all that information and with like, with like some of the best camera and with our technology, whether it's film or digital, under the right artist, that artist could become like one of the best photographers, you know, in a lifetime. And those things can happen. And I think you will find more of those type of like, phenomenal artists as well. Well, you'd think that with the the access to information and 
and the cameras being so forgiving that's probably the nicest way i can put it with cameras being so forgiving and with you know the access to all of this vast experience and information that people are putting out there you can freely access you would think that people would be able to go through the early stages and get over those early hurdles quite quickly and quite easily. And we would end up with the entire zeitgeist of photography just shifting up a notch and everyone yeah. being of, of a much higher level straight off the bat. Whereas actually it almost feels like it's gone the other way. And the ones yeah. that are visionaries, the ones that are technically fascinating and the ones that are promote like their, their images promote a really interesting viewpoint are just buried under the clusterfuck of a million other photographers that are taking the same 12 pictures right. over and over again because right. the algorithm likes those pictures and I feel like that it's it's like the never ending question. It's like my question that I keep asking people that I've had to stop myself asking um, about yeah. whether or not Instagram is a positive for photography because it it can't really be answered one way or the other. Um, yeah, I probably shouldn't have gone so deep right at the end of a podcast. That probably wasn't <laughs> my smartest move. No, it's all good. You know, I, I think about I think every photographer who's on Instagram thinks about it at all levels, at all numbers of followers. You know. I kind of, I kind of ask, yeah, what is, what is the value in, in Instagram? And is there any, I think there is value. I do think like good artists, good photographers stand out and they can tell the difference, you know? Yeah. I think that, I think that's just how it is. You know, I think people who are trained properly, uh, whether it's through school or YouTube or just through kind of mentoring and they know innately that they are good, like, you, can, you don't have to be arrogant or cocky, but you know that you're a good photographer or you're a good artist. There are people like that. And I'm sure you know, like, you know, people like that. And you know, the people who are crappy photographers and who are arrogant. And I think that, and then to me, that kind of shows um, in Instagram as well. And um, it might bother me if some, if there are photographers who have bigger followings, um, who I think aren't as good, but it's not really not my place to judge, you know? The thing is, I just have to worry about, you know, the audience that I've kind of um, accumulated and, you know, and how I treat them, but not necessarily like, you know, who I think our competitors are, you know, because, yeah, I think um, Instagram has allowed anyone to be a photographer and make a following, you know, as long as they commit to it. And that's good for all types of photographers, you know, so like, it's like, like, who am I to say that, like, you know, my photography is better than someone who, uh, you know, who shoots food photography or something like that, you know, you know, well, or, the, uh, the competitive element of any art form is always a kind of, a a losing battle because if, if your entire process is, it's comparison, then yeah. you're ne you're never really satisfied by your own work because you're always just looking sideways backwards. You know, you're always looking around you essentially at, at what everyone else yeah. is doing and you're not really just focused in on on intent which you know that that should probably be the main focus right. for for everybody is what is it that they're trying to say at the end of the day yeah. the, i've always said the most important question that every photographer should always be asking themselves is why why did yes. you take that picture why did you take it the way you took it everyone's always asking how you know like uh, or they're asking like what settings what camera you know, it's, it's the same technical questions over and over again, when actually yeah. more of a, a philosophical, and I'm not particularly a philosophical person, but a more philosophical approach and just ask why certain decisions were made, especially if you can ask yourself, 
because right. I, speaking only from my own point of view, I'm an incredibly subconscious person. I do a lot of things um, without putting in a lot of conscious thought when it comes to photography, that it's important to look back and kind of question yourself on why you did things a certain way. And when you want to learn from someone else, like if I want to learn from you and I, I was, you know, going out on one of these nights where you're going out and taking pictures, I would benefit way more from asking you why you're doing certain things and just always focusing on the camera or the settings. No, I think you're on point. The question of why, yeah, it's pretty important. I think, I think that question is, I don't know if you, I don't know if you might agree, but I guess the way I would look at it is if you can, if you have a good answer as to why, I think that shows your maturity, not just as a photographer, but maybe just as a person, maybe, you know? Yeah. Like I said, like the moodier, the moodier colors that I like to put in my photography, you know, it's a reflection of who I am and the type of the the things that I experienced um, in my past, my upbringing. And some of these really dark, you know, experiences, you know, still come up in my, in my imagination sometimes, you know? Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so it, so that question of why is, is, well, who are you? Do you know yourself? Do you know who you are? And that's what I'm, that's what I'm always trying to build on in my photography because, you know, you know, I have, I have this really, this, this strange past, you know, that I can't shake. I can't like get rid of. It's always part mm-hmm. of me. There's nothing I could do to change things that I've done in the past. As a result, I'm not inclined to go out there and shoot bright, lovely subjects that always puts people in a happy mood, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm just, you know, I want to know myself more and I want to connect with other people in the way I know myself. To your point there, I definitely think that you said about it, it kind of shows the maturity. I feel like the more comfortable you are as well as a photographer or not just a photographer, but just in anything that you do, the more comfortable you are in answering why you did something the way you did it, why you made the decision that you made, the more comfortable you are with that. It's not just a, a sign of maturity, but it's also a sign of of being a little bit more comfortable in your process, I guess, and and feeling more comfortable within your own skill set, feeling more comfortable with own within your own decision making ability. And it's just when you hit that, a lot of people talk about comfort zones being a bad thing, but I feel like comfort zones aren't a bad thing in terms of being comfortable with at least understanding where your strengths and weaknesses lie, where your preferences lie, and and the way that you go about making decisions based on those things. You can always improve on them, but understanding right. yourself is a big, important factor in getting the most out of what it is that you're trying to do. Right. Totally, man. Absolutely. We went super deep right at the end there, which is uh, which was fun. I enjoyed that. That was... It's always uh, the fun part about it is I seem to leave the, the deep questions either for right at the beginning or right at the <laughs> end because I know that one of my weaknesses is that I'm not the best podcast interviewer, but that doesn't matter. We had fun. Yeah, absolutely, man. The most important factor with the podcast, the reason that I do this, the reason it exists is that I basically just want to force other people to like things that I like. Um, so we're now going to tell everyone where they can go to see your amazing work. Um, so Instagram, website, and so on. Where's the best place for people to find you? Uh, Instagram. Marvin J. Lee. And then my website is marvinjlee.com. Very simple, very straightforward. I love it. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. All right. Thank you, Chris. And uh, I appreciate you know all that you're doing. And um, like I said, like whenever someone reaches out and have these kind of conversations, I feel like it really is an honor to to have this opportunity to meet you like this and um, to hear you speak about your works. 
you know, and share my experiences in in my work. So yeah, this is this is really cool.